Welcome back to Keeping Track. Our second installment in this little mini-series of spotlights around the women of the 2024 USA Olympic Team Trials Marathon is Fiona O'Keefe. As a six-time All-American at Stanford, graduating in 2020, Fiona got to chase around some fast women on her very own team in college in the middle distance events. She's since moved up in distance and had a lot of success. She actually is approaching this marathon trials as one of few women in the field who are debuting at the distance. Since joining the Puma Elite Running Team with coaches Amy Hastings, Craig, and Alistair Craig, Fiona has run great times in the 10K of 30:52. And half marathon, 67.42, to give you perspective of what her potential is in the marathon. We can't wait to see it. Here's Fiona. Okay. Um, today we are talking to Fiona O'Keefe. She is in the Puma Training Group. What is your official name for the training group? Um, Puma Elite Running Team. <laughs> Puma Elite Running Team, coached by <laughs> Amy Hastings and Alistair Craig. Um, and she is debuting her marathon at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, and we would love to hear how pro-life has been going since you graduated. Um, Fiona, you graduated in 2019, is that right? Um, 2020. 2020 from Stanford. Mm -hmm. So how are things going? How are you liking the group? And can you tell us uh, where you guys have been the last few weeks? Yeah, yeah. So we've been um, up in Albuquerque uh, training. So it's mostly track people out here, actually. Um, but Rose Harvey, who's like a British marathoner, has also been with us. Um, so that's been fun. Um, but yeah, I've been here since um, about exactly a month now. Um, and then heading out next week uh, to Florida. And yeah, it's been how, fun. How has the altitude camp been? Have you done anything like that before? Um, yeah, yeah, this is the first time we've come to Albuquerque. Um, I was here for a semester of grad school. Um, so I've trained here before. Um, and I like it here. Um, but yeah, we've done different camps, just never here. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. What, what was your degree in to take a segue? In for yeah, grad yeah, school? yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so my degree undergrad was in earth systems, which is basically like an interdisciplinary environmental science major. Um, and then I started a bio grad program here in New Mexico. Um, and that was like in ecosystems and climate change. Um, but there was also kind of a lot of coding involved and then the opportunity to just run came up. So <laughs> I went for it. Nice. Do you think you'll fit? Are, did you finish it or do you think you will I finish? Okay. No, I, I don't think I will. Um, yeah, just because the project was pretty data heavy. Um, yeah, and it was also like during COVID. So everything was online. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a weird time in the world. Yeah, you you graduated and kind of started your pro-life at a weird time in the world. Mm -hmm. Like how do you think that affected your start in the sport do you like what how do you look at that time period because yeah. that's really tough yeah I mean it was definitely interesting I don't see it as like entirely negative um but I do think that it meant that I like wasn't sure what was going on with the NCAA at that time so I definitely like jumped at the opportunity to turn pro maybe a little bit sooner um, than I would have if it had been like normal circumstances because um, the landscape was so uncertain at the time um, and racing opportunities were really limited so yeah I was out here for grad school which was actually like 
a strange time, but a fun time because um, I was living with my younger sister who was also on the team. Um, so we were just hanging out in the house a lot. Um, and then I was just realizing like, okay, like what I'm enjoying about being here is the training and getting ready to race. Um, and I heard about the opportunity with Puma and I was like, okay, may as well go for it. <laughs> yes. Um, and just to give a little more background, you graduated from Stanford. Mm -hmm. How was your time there running? And you're a Cali girl prior to that too, right? Isn't your family yeah. from California? Mm -hmm. So can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about just like your running history and what yeah. your college experience sure. was like? Mm -hmm. I know that's like a very open question, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'll, I'll try to start at the beginning, <laughs> try to keep my thoughts in order. Um, yeah, so I grew up like in the Sacramento area in California. My parents are still out there. Um, and then went to high school at Davis Senior High School um, in Davis, which was like just outside of Sacramento. Um, we were living there at the time and I had a really great high school coach, like really positive high school experience. I think you actually, um, um, his daughter, Caitlin Gregg, I think was out. Yeah, Caitlin's dad, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah Bill, um, Bill's great. Um, so yeah, high school running was like, really fun um low-key but like we still um had some success as a team um so that was really fun um and then yeah I just I looked at several different schools um ended up settling on Stanford um because I really liked the team and I was excited about the school as a whole um yeah and I was under coach Mill there for most of my time um, and he was really great in like taking a very developmental approach, um, which I appreciated. And it was also super positive to be surrounded by like high level teammates there um, and kind of get used to um, not always being the best at like various skill sets, especially because like I would be training with people like Christina Aragon and Ella Donahue and Elise Cranny, who are like much faster than me on the track. Um, and I feel like that was definitely helpful um, transitioning to running after because then it's like, okay, like I might get dropped in workouts, but it doesn't have to mean anything. And I know it's making me better. Yeah, I feel like that's really mm -hmm. important to have as a pro. Like it's mm -hmm. hard. It can be hard coming out of at least it looks like it's a challenge for some of the people that win everything in the NCAA and then have mm -hmm. to take a few races or even a whole year to like figure out how to race from further back or to like mm -hmm. maximize yourself when you're not winning. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you feel like you have a good handle on that when you got into racing after school or like how, how did that first year as a pro feel for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was definitely like, I was in over my head <laughs> a little bit, but I think I didn't fully realize necessarily even like the level of competition that I was being exposed to. Like we were kind of just jumping straight into it, um, which was fun for sure. Um, like I think I maybe had some slightly unrealistic expectations, like lining up at my first Olympic trials in 2021 um in the 10k like I remember going into that race thinking like oh yeah like I'll be competitive I probably won't make the team but I'll be competitive and 
looking back on that race, it's like, okay, yeah, I survived that race. <laughs> I was not prepared at the time. Um, but we did like go to the roads more over the summer. And I feel like that was really helpful in like getting more of a sense of where I was and also like actually being able to compete and not just be in like a track race that was paced at a standard or something like that. Um, it was a really good segue into um, kind of getting a sense of the competition at that level and um, having fun with it again. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about who you're training with now for the buildup? Um, yeah. Or is it just you doing the buildup? You said you and Rose, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Rose so, is British though. So yeah. yeah. How is that yeah. going with you two? <laughs> yeah. Um, so earlier on in the fall, I was training a lot with Natasha Rogers, um, but they just decided that um, Alistair and Amy and her decided that it was best for her to stay in North Carolina um, and do the build at sea level. Um, so yeah, I guess I've been a little bit more solo for um, a lot of the long run type of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been fun lining up with Rose and then even like some of the track people in the group, like Taylor and Courtney um, on some of the track days. Um, so yeah, I definitely... I guess technically I've done stuff alone, but there's just so much mileage that I haven't felt like there's a lot of days where I'm like completely solo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the debut being at a race like the Olympic trials? Are you like, how do you, are you excited about yeah. that? Or? <laughs> I mean, I am definitely excited. Um, ideally the debut would have been like, in the fall or something um so yeah this was not necessarily the plan to debut at the trials um but it's how things worked out um and I feel like things have been going pretty well in training um and I think I'm ready <laughs> so yeah I don't know if you would ever feel completely ready for your first one um but yeah I'm excited um I feel like it does make it so that there's a little bit less expectation going in, which is a nice feeling. Um, but yeah, definitely a little intimidating. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the marathon training? Is it that different than what you've been doing or like, how have you been absorbing mm -hmm. that kind of stuff? Yeah, I guess like I've had some exposure to it in the past. Um, like when I've trained for like the half and um, some stuff on the roads, um, it's definitely a bit different from, 10k training um but I guess I was on the probably on the higher end of mileage for a 10k runner um so it hasn't been a huge adjustment in terms of volume really just like the long run day has been the biggest change um but yeah uh, things are a little more spaced out so I feel like now that I've like gotten more used to the schedule um it feels good to me yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, I have to ask what usually like Roisin or Alicia are my co-hosts and they're, mm -hmm. they can't make it today, but Roisin being Irish was wondering if what your connections to Ireland are, Oh um, yeah. if one parent is Irish or if like you have anyone in your family. Yeah. My dad's side of the family is pretty Irish. Um, I'm not as Irish as my name makes me sound. Okay. So <laughs> I know it was, um, it was disappointing to the Providence coaches when I was talking to them in high school <laughs> you'd be like yeah sorry I know my name sounds like I'm from Ireland but like actually I think it's my 
my dad's like great great grandfather or something came over oh there. really okay I don't know why I thought one parent was like right over from Ireland living in no. the U.S. or something yeah 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 I do I do remember Ray recruiting you and mm-hmm. when you were in high school <laughs> yeah yeah no I really liked Ray I I really liked Providence actually too it was just like since it was just a liberal arts school um I would have had to like only study biology um if I'd gone there so it was it was an academic decision why yeah PC and Stanford are slightly different academic Mm -hmm. institutions I'd say Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, both good track teams but yeah yeah um what advice would you give to someone choosing colleges that process I mean yeah it was a long time ago for you but not as Mm -hmm. long for me so I feel like you have more relevant advice for young I guess yeah I feel like um it does feel like the landscape has changed so much just like since I've been out of school, like with all the NIL stuff and everything. So I imagine that must be pretty overwhelming. And it seems like the timeline is also pushed up a little bit earlier. Um, One piece of really good advice that I got um, when I was looking at schools is to think about like, not only um, the team and coach and everything, but also like, what happens if you're hurt and you can't run like where somewhere you can probably be happy and engaged like outside of the sport as well um so I guess I would try to keep that in mind um and then also remembering that coaches do move around a lot in the NCA. um so looking at like where the team culture really speaks to you um I think is important It's really good advice and it is kind of like uncharted territory now with the NIL Mm -hmm. deals. I don't envy these kids, but then I also am trying to see like, it must be more opportunity too for them. Like it's sort of a double-edged sword. I think we're still probably figuring out how to do all, make those decisions and like, do you come out ahead in the end (laughs) with some of this NIL stuff and some of these, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I can see how, like, for an older college athlete, like, transitioning into the pro world, it's probably, like, helpful to have a little more transparency around, like, what opportunities there might be and how to work with an agent and stuff, because at least for me, like, that didn't happen until, like, the very last minute, Um, but yeah, like, coming into college as a freshman or sophomore, I feel like that could be, like, really distracting, Um, but yeah, I don't know. Definitely. Um, so looking ahead a couple of weeks, like mm-hmm. the most of us have our buildups. We're starting to tie up loose ends. You said you mm-hmm. just did a workout today. Um, like what have been your favorite parts of marathon buildup and what have been your least favorite parts of marathon buildup? <laughs> Let's see. Um, I guess maybe my favorite part has just been like the excitement of like getting to do things and training that I haven't done before like okay that was my first time running that far or was my first time doing a workout like that things like that like oh I didn't know like my body would let me stack weeks like that um so that's been fun um my least favorite part sometimes just like waiting between the workouts um <laughs> uh, which is like necessary because you're tired. Um, but it's like, oh, I have like three days of just like getting out the door for mileage and 
like coming from the track sometimes that feels like a little bit boring um that and then um getting the hang of the drinks is also a a bit of a work in progress (laughs) so yeah like what's your strategy like do you have a favorite brand or um yeah have you been um, doing I've been using kind of a mix of like Morton and Tailwind um and that's been working pretty well I think um yeah so we'll see I know it's going to be probably fairly important in Florida if it's warm especially yeah definitely I think mm-hmm. it sounds like there are going to be a lot of other drinks on the course and you're going to have to try and just take on as much as you can if it's mm-hmm. hot I'm guessing mm-hmm. so that'll be something <laughs> yeah something to yeah. add to the newness of it all yeah that is yeah. kind of exciting I re- remember that about my first marathon all the like first times in practice you've hit max mm-hmm. like max volume or like mm-hmm. a workout that you didn't think you could do so that's got to be fun yeah yeah definitely <laughs> um yeah so have you gotten much advice from Amy I know she's someone who has has the marathon mm-hmm. history that could teach you a lot like has she told you anything that stuck or anything um that was like stood out as good advice going into your first one I definitely will be continuing to ask her advice these last couple weeks especially with like all the little details because I feel like she's so good about like being really on top of um the details that can make a difference on race day like there's just like little things that she's been like little pieces of wisdom that she's been dropping in continuously I feel like like making sure your bottles are really well decorated so they stand out on the table and you recognize it and grab it um but I think just like the patience factor is definitely something that um she's mentioned and that I've tried to take to heart um with this build up because yeah it's it's definitely there's a difference from the track training where it's like, you know, the compounding um, and kind of letting it happen instead of just forcing that intensity all the time. Yeah, it's definitely a different like pace of racing. Mm -hmm. Like it's like Mm -hmm. you kind of survive. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. the 10K, it's like so active. You're like attacking or responding. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll see. Mm -hmm. And some people are just, it's just natural to them. And like, you'll know that from practice too. Like Mm -hmm. you'll have an idea. So, yeah. Um, So I guess we have a couple minutes left. Um, Do you have any crazy stories or like, I don't know. I feel like the heat acclimatization, I struggle with that word. Mm -hmm. Part of this race has been like, kind of like, like there's so many different ways to do it it's almost kind of like funny what some people are doing to get used to the heat what about you guys you're up at altitude like have you worried Mm -hmm. about it are you going to go early are you wearing lots of sweaters like what's your what have you guys been doing to get used Um, to the potential heat yeah i've heard that some people are doing like insane stuff like heat lamps and all this um but i don't know i listened to that call that usatf had um and they were saying that basically like most of the science is like 10 days out um you get most of the like physiological adaptations um so yeah we're going down on the 23rd to florida um so i guess we'll see like maybe it'll be 50 degrees maybe it'll be 80 i don't know um 
and start getting serious about getting used to the heat and humidity there. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't really been doing anything special for it. Um, just because like, I feel like that could interfere with quality of training. So it's definitely a toss up, like, you know, maybe it is better that, you know, some people are getting these really specific adaptations, but yeah, we haven't been stressing about it too much. Um, I do have a good amount of experience training in the heat and humidity from like North Carolina summers. So um, I know what that feels like at least, um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the, obviously the big pieces have to be in place no matter what, mm -hmm. like you have to be as fit as you can be, <laughs> and right. you want to be as healthy as you can be. And then like worry like try and perfect those other things right. yeah 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 I think especially because this is like the first one for me and Natasha it's been more of a, a matter of like let's focus on like just executing the build well and like getting through it healthy um and then like you know we don't necessarily have time to get cute about like mm -hmm. worrying about the heat and everything um because I'm like okay I'm more concerned about the fact that this is my first marathon you're like um, I can't get over the 26.2 miles I have to yep. run first and then... yep. yeah 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 like, and if it's all also okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on mm -hmm. um so uh, like, do you guys have a new shoe drop? Does Puma have like a new, I, if you can't talk about it, that's okay. But I, I'm getting um, the gear details while yeah, I'm talking to yeah. people. I'm, I'm probably allowed to say this. <laughs> I'm not positive, but um, we do have like a new model of our, like our main racing pods, the Deviate Elites. Um, so I will probably be wearing those at the trials. Um, I like the updates they made. Um, I feel like it feels light and pretty responsive so nice nice and um one more question we like to always ask on our podcast which we're missing alicia and ro today so like mm -hmm. shout out guys yeah. um is is there anything that you don't get to talk about a lot in interviews that you want to shout out or talk about or something about yourself that you want to let people know yeah i guess um like kind of in line with what I studied um, on the environmental side of things. Um, I'm not like, I don't have any big project that I'm working on or anything, but I'm always like kind of thinking about environmental issues and climate change and like ways that we as a running community could do better on the sustainability side of things. Um, so I would just love like for there to be more conversation about um, just how dependent our sport is on the environment and like the ways that we can have an impact um and just kind of raise awareness about that because we do spend like so much time out in nature like benefiting from it um and some of these major races and things you know like there's piles of garbage on the street um and you know, a lot of people flying in. And I just think there's massive opportunity for improvement and raising more awareness. Totally. Or even just the like, I don't know, being pulled in two directions as like a runner who's part mm -hmm. of the marketing department of a, yeah. like a shoe 
company, you're like, buy this shoe, buy this new shoe. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, wait, don't buy so much stuff. <laughs> it's like right. really hard push and pull Definitely. there. Yeah. 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 I can feel like a little bit, I guess, um, yeah, conflicting at times, like getting these, you know, gear drops that are like awesome and amazing, but then everything is wrapped up in plastic and it just more stuff than I need (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but you're that's an important thing for you to Mm -hmm. have as something maybe you push for because these big companies can make a lot of change too Mm -hmm. you know they're powerful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they have a lot of influence and Mm -hmm. there's lots of things we could do differently (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah I mean I am hopeful because I do feel like um the running community is like very receptive to this conversation um so I just feel like there's a lot of potential for progress, I guess. Yes, definitely an important topic, something we need to act on sooner mm-hmm. rather than later mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So yeah. very cool. Well, good luck with the last few weeks. We'll see you in Orlando, so Fiona. Much. Yeah, you and too. It was, it was great to check in. Tell Amy yeah. and Alistair and Isla I said hi. <laughs> I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll all be down there too. So. Yes. Hopefully you can go take a nap now because... I'm sure you're tired after whatever you guys did today. Maybe time. (laughs) Okay, thanks again, Fiona. Keep track, keep track. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!